Um, and... <laughs> Hi, my name is Schmitty, and I'm from the Hard Luck uh, Show. Please come on the podcast and try to try to find us. Good morning, man. Welcome to the Hard Luck Show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You've tuned into the greatest show on earth. It's the Hard Luck Show. Coming at you from the Pico Youth and Family Center in the city of Santa Monica. Sitting across from me is my co host. Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian. Yeah. Come on. G five for that ad. Yeah. Come on. Roll up your weed. Drink your liquor. Come on, I'm gonna tell the story much now. quicker. Yeah. Transform on any particular surface the pen lands on. I can't hands on. On sound, old blue eyes himself. Yeah, buddy. Sean Lewis, certified audio professional. Hey y'all! Engineer! The hard luck show, baby. Yeah. I love it when a plan comes yeah. together. <laughs> wow. Wow. Right? That Check that guy. Frisk that guy. It's still UA. Oh, UA. That's 18, baby. Um, and the most extraordinary showrunner of them all, Mr. Right. Ryan Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, morning. Show, Brian. What up, fellas? Hey. I'm gonna play my, play my sound. <laughs> my dude, Schwartz. Morning, guys. Schwartz, Good morning, on. fellas. Morning. Schwartz, you're on that let's, shit. Let's. I'm trying, man. Mm. I'm trying. He's you're trying. doing. You're doing. I'm you're trying, doing, brother. Visuals. Visuals being handled. Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves. Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves. Ali Baba and the Forty you already know what it is. Ollie on the visuals. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you go. Time time it in is. the morning. Yeah. Part of shit. You know what, Ollie? That's the first time yeah. I saw you trying to do shit. Yep. 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 Right? Yep. He was, yep. he was yep. doing shtick this time. Yep. Now you yep. know it's yep. funny, and somehow that made it not as yeah. funny, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just had to warm up to it. Yeah. yeah, you're good. Off. Right, yeah. good. But you're Spit doing, on you're doing Spit content. Spit on it. <laughs> oh, don't start that. Yeah. Don't start that. <laughs> yeah. You're doing, con- look at his face. Did you see Ollie? Spit on it. Ollie, do you like those Spit videos on it, with the women spit on a dick? Do you like to watch <laughs> Shut that? Shut the fuck up. No, no comment. <laughs> oh! This dude's smart. He knows exactly what not to go, what roads not to go down. He just bounced out gracefully. Like, I ain't even going there with yeah. you guys. Well, he didn't deny it. He said no oh, comment. Oh, oh, I, I, that was a no comment. Uh, that's the first time I've seen that dude laugh like that, bro. You really lost it on that one. Nice. Okay. Yeah, nice. Going on? Let's do it. Sean's looking at me like, where do we go from here, motherfucker? Do something, motherfucker. <laughs> do Sean's something. looking no. at me like, motherfucker. No, so, I love awkward silence. I do, too. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so, it's so powerful. It's something people try to avoid. 
Like they try to move away from it. All right, uh, shorts. What's on tap? What are we doing? You're in hey, charge. You're the commander. We, you know, we can roll it out with the uh, World War Two and, I'm and sorry, what's man. it, Eddie Carter that you were telling me about? Was that the gentleman's name? That's Eddie right. Carter. Eddie Carter. Yeah. Is that is he related to Jimmy Carter? No. No, but this guy is. Uh, his story is amazing. Uh, Chumon gave me a little a little uh, preview of it and uh, <clears throat> fucking blew my mind. Hey, um, so so the, to really start this out, really, is to talk about Black History Month. That's what February is, right? Yep. Ali, why don't you get on this mic, man? Uh, do you consider yourself African-American? Yeah. He does. He does. All right. So, Ali, uh, it's Black History Month. What do you understand about black? Sit down, my brother. What do you understand about black history, man? Uh, month. What is it? It's time to celebrate a culture that has been suppressed from the get-go. So it's a time for people who are in color to embrace who they are and be happy in their skin and not try to be any other race. Just, like, be happy that you're you. But, like, it would be cool if, like, everyone had their own month to celebrate. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, like, just take all the shine. Like, everyone should have that. Opportunity. You, hey Ali, do you know how Black History Month got started? Can you let me know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, does anybody actually have any idea how Black History Month even got started? Schwartz I is shaking don't. his head. Sean, I mean, do no. you? So Black History Month, because I, I didn't know. I looked it up because I wanted to know. Because it seems like, it feels like you just have these sort of politically quote-unquote correct holidays that it seemed like the government put out to try to keep everybody cool and like got pissed off right so i looked it up and it's not that in fact what it is is um, black history month started out as black history week and black history week started because a guy who was black african-american went to harvard wooden is his last name wooden and he discovered in all the history books at Harvard that no, nothing about black Americans' contribution to this country, history, anything, was in any of the textbooks at Harvard. What year is this? We're talking like 19, early 1900. Okay. Right? So he's sitting there and he's thinking, and he starts the first like African-American academic journal from Harvard, right? And it's like he reads through the history books, and we're talking college level, zero mention about... African-Americans' contribution to history. And so he says, fuck it. And he said, we're going to start Black History Week. Now, there had already been, before the 1900s, a tradition in the African-American community to celebrate, to celebrate the first week in February. Already. Does anybody know why? No. Because Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln both had birthdays in that first week. I think... A Frederick, I think Frederick Douglass is Valentine's Day, 14th. And, it, and yeah. what? No, no, I thought Lincoln's was like the 13th or something. It's it? like the 8th, I believe. Okay. Right? So African Americans were like, that was a major change in our situation. It wasn't fixed, right. but it was better. So that week eventually, right, turned into an entire month as, as more and more folks started to push the idea. And the whole cause of it was because um, only one 
history was shining at the time, and that was white history. Well, two things about what you said is, one, how many African Americans were at Harvard or at any of the big universities um, at that time that could even point out, oh, shit, there's nothing in here about black contribution to this country. Um, And so I think it's amazing that he did that. But also, too, I think it's important for people to know it wasn't given black history month wasn't given out you hear all these maybe it's urban legend like okay it's black history month because it's the shortest month in the year right that's a that's a common joke in the comedy circles right right? and the truth of the matter is is it and this is what really gets fucked up in these situations is that the common culture common sense people right they think like oh this was dispensed from the government right and it was dispensed um, out of some feeling of obligation to keep black like reparations, people. and it's bullshit. Right, right. It was picked because Abraham Lincoln, who fucking defeated the entire South, and I mean murdered motherfuckers. That's really what it wind up when Grant did that march to the sea. Right, he burned crops, salted the earth, and it was it was to break the back of those southern fuck faces, and I love the South, but I'm also saying a lot of those motherfuckers wanted to keep slavery in place. He's the reason why uh, blacks, at least slavery ended, right? right. Now, Frederick Douglass, I, I mean, dude, I, not enough was talked about Frederick Douglass. Oh, that yeah. dude was born a slave, and he tricked white people into teaching him English. He tricked them into teaching them how to read and write when it was illegal for black people. Illegal! For black people to read or write. And the whole reason is they didn't want black people reading. Because if they read, then they would read the Bible. Then they'd read about the Jews who fucking broke out of slavery. And that might lead to us losing a fucking dope-ass system. This is American history, you guys. And that's the next next phase, though, is that there's a movement like Morgan Freeman and other folks have said... Well, I don't want to call it black history because it's really American history. It is American history. Yeah. It's not black history. The problem is, is that if you don't privilege that piece, it won't be acknowledged. It won't be acknowledged. That's the part that that a lot of these conservative whites gloss over. That's the hidden power structure behind this dialogue. First, as soon as you say black, it goes into a certain column. Right. But the problem is, is if you don't say black, then the people... It goes into no column. And it goes into zero column. Right. You would hear people... So that's kind of... You would hear people like, oh, well, Black History Month. And why why isn't there a white history month? Why isn't there whatever? And, you know, the argument... And it's true that if you didn't have that, it wouldn't be at all. And like every other month is white history month or... American History Month without the inclusion of the Amer- African American contribution. And so, then how does that? How do you think that plays into American when they are talking about just American history? They have the slaughter of the Indians, and that's just American history. It, is, it that is American history. It should be American history, and then you also have to go in. And so, this is what I think personally. I think that it should be approached from, uh, from the angle of a disciplinary angle. For instance, if you were to say the history of automobiles, right, mm-hmm. or the history of gambling, or the history of song. Or the history of America, right? All of that would fit under America, but it's still a category, but it doesn't mean that just because you put it in the category, it's separate and apart from America, right? So if you said, I want to study heavy metal— 
right? You wouldn't necessarily approach it and say, well, don't call it heavy metal because now you're separating it from music. You would already understand that that's a subcategory of the general category of music. So in this case, the general category is American history. Subcategory would be African-American history because you need that kind of detailed study in that little branch of the history in order to bring all those details to life so that the general category of American history is actually more accurate. Not better, not worse, accurate. The true story. And so I think when you get bogged down into like the fighting about well, what should we call it and should it be the same and blah, 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 I think there's a place for people to say it's American history, but then I think it makes sense from an from a intellectual standpoint that you have to label certain things in order to fill out uh, all of the details the and organize picture. the complete right. picture. You know what, but that's kind of what the fight is going on now. You know, a lot of Republicans and people on the right are saying, oh, we shouldn't burden our kids with the fact that there was it's slavery or there was, you know, bro. prejudice, all these things. That, oh, you know, they're going to feel guilty or hate their country. No, they're going to have an appreciation and an understanding from where we were, where we're at now, and the road that we continue hey, bro, need to me, go. You know, those yeah, same... I got to say this, like, when I look at old pictures of slavery and read about it, and I look at the problems that I have today, it just like completely wipes out any little negative thing in my life. Like just comparing like my life to what used to be, like knowing about all that messed up stuff. It's like it's pretty necessary to know so you can realize like how far we came and like, damn, like life ain't that bad. Like it could be a lot worse. So, like, perspective, you got to huh? know about that stuff. You got to know about it because you got to know it could be worse. You got to know about it that <clears throat> what people consider golden ages of history were actually rife with complete violence and injustice so that you don't get some fake ass idea that like, oh, it was all good before. You know, right. part of the power, people don't understand this, but <clears throat> in our Western thinking, we have a tendency to look back in a direction that everything was perfect at some past point. There was a Garden of Eden. There was no trouble. Adam's walking around naked. His bitch was naked. And they could do anything. And they didn't have to work. And there was no menstruation. There was none of that. It was cool. It was sweet. Now we live in this corrupted society and it's all fucked up. It's actually always been fucked up. That's right. the first point. It's always been fucked up. It's always been corrupted. So in looking at that, I wanted to get that out to make sure that our audience and myself and us are aware that Black History Month started out because black history was not being taught and it was only a week and it was already a tradition of celebrating uh, the fact that Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, right, were people who really advanced. I mean, you can talk all the bullshit you want. You can fucking say all this other stuff. Those are two guys that put their asses on the line to advance a cause or a people in this country. And, it, and, and it, so I think that piece of it is super important. And, and really the politics of it should be taken out. There should be no question on, in anyone's plate that... Uh, the true history of America should be taught to the citizens who are going to inherit this country. And can that, you talk a little bit about Frederick Douglass? You said he tricked the white people in teaching them how to read and white. So what did he do with that to help he be, make Black History Month? 
But by being, oh, so he didn't make Black History Month. What he did was he eventually got himself out of slavery at a time when slavery was still there and traveled through Europe and became emblematic of a guy that showed that African-Americans even... See, this is the part that really hurts motherfuckers that are weak. Frederick Douglass showed, you can say I'm not a man, and you can say that I'm not human, and you can put me in chains, but through my own intellect, I'll outsmart you, and I'll make... I'll pay. I'll get myself paid out of this thing, and I'll go on speaking tours throughout Europe and America as a free man. Yeah, he was the. I would say during that time, probably the most prominent and respected African American um, men. And he at, came. At that time. I mean, he came out of slavery. Yeah. Think about. Think about being. You talk in this country. We all make a big hoopla about being a self-made man. People fucking waxed. You know Elon Musk's car because he was like I, I, I slept on bean bags and coded all night. <laughs> Think about Frederick Douglass, what he had to overcome in terms of what he was labeled. The rules were all against him to eventually get to a place where he was free and was able to come and go in places. So Frederick, I mean, we could do an entire show yeah, on Frederick was, Douglass. Yeah, um, sure. That guy was is a real hero, an American hero. I think we should for Black History Month. I think during this month, let's let's do one. Right, right, I'll do it. I'll yeah. do it. Yo, imagine how crazy it would be if he was living in this time period. Like how he would be able to finesse because like that knowledge he has, like you can't take that away from him. Like when he said like. You put chains on me, you call me whatever, like you can't change like my right, mind. Like literal so, like, change. Yeah, but yeah, but 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 right. hold on a second. All right, but hold on, you're right. Mm-hmm. But I think if Frederick Douglass came here today, he'd be very disappointed. Ugh. Yeah. Because Yeah, because nobody's working as hard as he did. That's exactly right. That's exactly fucking right. And like you're right. He r- figured out where the freedom is, it's in the mind. But our generations of folks have been so brainwashed by companies like Apple, Microsoft, fucking Coca-Cola, all these jerk-off companies, Nike, right, that they no longer are free in their mind. You're free in your body. You ain't free in your mind. Oh, like they are brainwashed to consume? Brainwashed to consume. Meaningless jobs create a meaningless life which creates people a desire to buy meaningless junk meaningless junk to fill a hole in themselves because they haven't developed their mind Mm. and that's where our society is today and that's why you got all these fucking idiots that they're not genuinely idiots like they have the capacity to think but they're just under so much layers of bullshit that they're so confused that they would try to th- overthrow their own country and smear feces <laughs> in their own Congress and then act like it didn't happen. Right. Mm. Oh, you talking about like this government? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That's right. So now that we've hit that point, I want to turn now to, right, the project here. Well, my, my, my desire here. Mm. And talking about um, the African-American contribution to the American project the American dream, the American home, the American gold, the American success. And one of the things that um, I wanted to do is also connect it to Los Angeles, mm. right? Okay. And I wanted to talk about somebody called Eddie mm. Carter. Nope. Eddie Carter, any relation to Jimmy Carter? 
None. What was oh. his um, ranking by the time that he was done? Was he like a, a sergeant? Uh, what do you know? Yeah, but but by the time that he was well, this is a good question to ask because I can tell you this: he made it to sergeant, but he had to give up those stripes. Oh yeah, that's right. So Eddie Carter's dad um, was from L.A. And he was like a like a like a, a preacher, right? One of these preachers. And he went to and we're talking like, you know, nineteen oh eight or nineteen ten, like around that time, his dad, a black man, think about that, right? Went to India to convert Hindus into Christianity. <laughs> Those right? Christians, man. <laughs> They're going everywhere yeah, to fucking get you on everything. that team. They're trying to increase their numbers big yeah. time. And uh, they'll sign anybody up. Trump border will kill you. Right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so he was over there and he married an Indian woman, I think, here in L.A. And that's why they went to India together. And Eddie Carter's mother was from India and his dad was um, a black dude from L.A. And they went there. And, uh, and, and when you went to India back then, Right. You had to like take a fucking boat. It was no like massive thing. Right. So they stopped in Hong Kong and all this other stuff. Now, really think about an African-American dude, an adult from L.A. at that time, seeing like Hong Kong and Singapore and Rangoon and all this shit. It was pretty way out there. They got to India. They set up shop. And the thing of it was, was that for whatever reason, this young Eddie Carter had was always drawn to the military. Mm. And in India, he said he was visited by a spirit that told him, if you, you will become a great warrior. And for whatever reason, when he was like 14, that stuck with him. Mm. And in India, right, Eddie's mom ran off with another dude. And they took the church money. Oh. Oh. So imagine that. Goddamn frauds. Not, but not frauds. The dad wasn't. Okay. Okay. The dad was, was a di- I mean, this dude would pray and pray and all this other shit, right? And then one day, one of his buddies and his wife just disappeared with the church kitty. Tammy Faye ran off with the bag. And I mean, imagine what, how that would make you feel. You're Eddie Carter. You're in India, right? You don't know anybody. Your mom's gone. Now it's just you and your dad and your kids. So fucking think about that. So, so, so. Tough start. <laughs> so they, they lose all their thing. They try their luck in China. The dad goes to China with Eddie. Eddie. They goes to China with Eddie. And they start up the Holy Roller shit over there. Because, you know, just like you said, Christians are trying to sign up motherfuckers, yeah. right? And they're trying to sign up the Chinese. There was already a lot of white Christian dudes over there, right? But get a load of this. The Chinese hated white people. You imagine that? Steve, why would the Chinese around that time hate white motherfuckers? Because they were enslaving them. Pretty much. (laughs) Making them go railroads, yeah. I love you, Steve. I can see right then and there, dude. You're like a master of like, I'm going to throw out an answer that's correct probably in some way. I'm just going to be general enough. Because they were, listen, white people enslaved a lot of different kinds of people. So if I just say enslaved them, that's probably right. That's a good reason. I could just imagine you in high school, brother. I could just see you being like, because they were bad. (laughs) Well, yes. 
And yeah, no, because of the British and the opium trade. Right. They got their fucking whole country strung out on fucking heroin and then started fucking buying it and doing that. You know, make them buy it from them and all that shit, dude. It's horrible. The right. Hon- what was that called? The the heroin, the Hong Kong or some heroin thing? Or something? The, it, was the, it was the opium wars. The opium wars, yeah. So think Horrible. about that. So 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 you're. They hated them at a deep level, right? Opium Pro- dens. They strung out their whole country, dude. They do the pusher. The pusher man was the British Kingdom and the Queen, and she fucking went over there and said, "You know what? Try this little powder," and then got them all hooked up on it. And it's 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 England, bro. That story when I read that, I was like, God. Damn, why is it that that level of evilness comes out of England like that, man? What the fuck is that, man? Like, I bl- they don't give a shit about nobody upset themselves. They still don't, bro. They still don't. I was just having dinner with that client. He's a he's a he was he's a retired university president with a lot of connections and shit. He was laying some stories out to me about the British royals. Oh man, bro. No, no bueno, no bueno. So, 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 but so, so at that time, right? There was like white Christians doing missionary work over there, right? But the Chinese were like cock blocking them, like, nah, nah, motherfucker, no, nah, no, nah, we dealt with you before, and we got all fucked up. We ain't gonna deal with you now. But Eddie's dad was a black man, and the Chinese embraced him. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter that he was married. No, it was, it was he was as far from white as right. possible, so yeah. they embraced it. Anybody was also American, right? Right. And this is right around the time that like Chairman Mao in in um, Chiang Kai Shek were were clashing about who's going to control China. Is it going to be communism, or is it going to be the American backed uh, Shek? Is he going to be right? And the Americans were actually putting a lot of money and energy. And in part of the American push, when they saw that Eddie Carter's dad had, was getting some fucking purchase with these fucking, uh, with the, the American-backed Chinese folks, all of a sudden, Eddie, Eddie's father's dad was able to get a hold of a publishing and a printing press. Next thing you know, they're floating out all that fucking propaganda through Eddie's dad. Now, Eddie's dad became close with Chiang Kai-shek. And oh. the women. It's so close, in fact, that when that dude's daughter got deathly ill with the fucking typhoid, Eddie's dad was praying over the daughter, and she miraculously healed. And as a result, Sheck and his crew became converted to Christianity. Okay. Schwartz, is, Schwartz, tell us. You're shaking your hand. You got the cynical scowl. What was that about? No, just it's like hey, no. they they had a they had some a little bit of proof and they fucking ran with, with it. That, it was like, shit. man, you performed a miracle. We're going. Oh, we're all we're, in. We're, yeah, yeah, we we're believe all it. in with you. So, so during, were they Buddhist? Do you know what they were to switch over? Or what type of religion they, they practiced w- before? They weren't Buddhist. They were something akin to I think Confucianism. Okay. All right, and there was a lot of like veneration, and it was not Buddhist. And I think the veneration. Mouth, yeah, like respect okay. to the ancestors. All that shit you see in those Disney fucking right. Chinese right, ones right, where it's like right. you're borderline racist, yeah. or, but are they supporting it or is it racist? Right. And they're like lighting incense and then ghosts of the ancestors right. come out right. and sing some <laughs> fucked up song and you're like, I don't know, this might be racist. So all of that. But 
Eddie Carter, the young man, was in military schools in China during that time. And because of the connections, uh, he got into the military to fight against Mao in the early days. And his dad flipped out because the tensions were growing. It was clear that something was going to happen, and they were struggling over who was going to control China. And so his dad, with his connections, got his son out early, and they moved back to L.A. That's crazy. I didn't. So he was like a part of the Chinese military, basically? Yes! That's even crazier. Wow. Yes! Think about that. That's fucking nuts. Right? Now, this is him wanting to fucking... I don't know what's up with dudes that lost their moms from some shit, but you, you like you want to get disciplined in military. You want to join shit and fight shit. And and young Eddie was already, and he could already speak Chinese. He could already speak Hindu, right? He's like 15, 16, and he's like out there carrying rifles in the Chinese army, fucking throwing down in a fight that's not even his battle because that's how bad he wanted to fucking fight. He was a soldier oh, that's crazy. through and through. Go back to L.A., right? And all of this is a precursor and leading up to Japan coming down and starting to take over China, which it did, right? Rape a Nanking. Look it up. Then you go down. All that shit. Look it up. Look it up. So all that's kind of bubbling. Now, at this time, this is pre-World War II, right? Now we're getting into pre-World War II. And for the first four years of shit that the Nazis were doing, right, or maybe even five, the United States was like, eh, we ain't getting involved. I mean, you know, you're killing Jews over there? All right. I mean, just as long as you pay us and you no, 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 we're not going to, you know. And who was it? Which, uh, it was, um, God, I want to think it was Ford that was pushing around that children of Zion or the. the oh, the Zionist stuff? Remember Ford was like passing around that anti-Semitic fucking propaganda book called the. Elders of Zion, yeah, which was yeah, a total yeah. fraud. Right. All right. So, they, so pre WW two America. Right. Pre WW. Look, I love watching Steve shake his head. So <laughs> pre WW two, believe me, the fucking Connecticut white people did not give a shit about the Jews at all. Uh uh-uh. And at this time, though, there was a guy named Franco. Which country was Franco in? I don't know. Spain. Oh, dude, I almost just guessed. This is Franco. Franco was a dictator in Spain, and he was taking over Spain. There was something called the Spanish Civil War. Now, just like the time that's happening right now, there was something called, there was fascists breaking out all over Europe. You had Hitler, Mussolini, Franco, right? Mm. And some people have said it's part of an echo that comes out of the Depression, the Depression economic situation set up the perfect circumstances okay. for these dictators to come in and use fascism. Sell a, a dream. That's right. Right. And blame. Blame. You're right. Right. Okay. That's the biggest thing about it. They need to have. Now, this is what's so special. Something to point at. Now, yep. this is what's so special about Eddie Carter Jr. When Franco and the Spanish Civil War was going on. Now, you might know, right? There's a lot of. Um, Books, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, Hemingway, you know, all there was a writer tradition in America that got involved in the Spanish Civil War on the side of the anti-fascists, right? Antifa and motherfucking Tifa. That's Antifa. Anti-fascists against the spread of it. And it's not even in America. It's way over there. 
But the danger was so real and they knew it was such an evil thing, this fucking fascism, that Americans, fat-ass Americans, red-blooded Americans who had no dog in that fight were like, I'm going to sign up and volunteer and go fight in that war. And one of those folks was Eddie Carter Jr., right? Eddie Carter. And there was something called the Abraham Lincoln Brigade in the Spanish Civil War which is a group of Americans of all stripes, Jewish, black, white. Gay, straight. Bi-curious, right? Allied, questioning, Mm -hmm. all of those types. Going to Spain to fight against the fascists, and Eddie Carter was one of them. And I mean, that dude, when he showed up, most of the people that showed up over there were were nudniks, like idiots that had never had any military training Eddie Carter had already been in military schools and already fought in the Chinese War. So when they sent him, he was training guys over there. Okay, so this was official. Like, what branch of the military did he sign up for here in this country? This is unofficial. The government was so hands-off. When the government gave you a passport for Europe, the stamp said this is not valid to go to Spain. (laughs) Because they didn't want anyone interfering with Franco's takeover of Spain. And so these people would... um, The Abraham Lincoln Brigade would um, smuggle themselves through the Pyrenees into Spain through a back route. And like Eddie Carter was one of those dudes. And Eddie Carter fought, he killed, he got captured. There you go. Hut, hut. Eddie hey. Carter. Hey. 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 Private Carter reporting for duty, sir. Reporting for duty, sir. So he's there, right? And in fact... I'm going to play you something. This is back when racism, when fascism was something that people of all different creeds believed in. Even Woody Guthrie wrote a song about the Abraham Lincoln Brigade. Oh, wow. And let's see if I can find it right here. It's called, it's called Harama Valley, and it's about the valley in Spain where the Abraham Lincoln Brigade fought against the fascists. Just, 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 just to give you an idea. There's a valley in Spain called Harama It's a place that we all know so well It was there that we fought against the fascists We saw a peaceful valley turn to hell Who put you onto that song? Myself. Oh, really? Well, because I, I know that you, you played that song that your dad had uh, by his son, by Arlo. And so I didn't know if, if he was just a fan of the Guthrie's. I mean, my dad was, but he never played that one. Right. But it came up when I was looking into the Abraham Lincoln Brigade. That's wild. I didn't realize that Woody Guthrie had like written about it and Eddie Carter had actually fought in it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I mean, that's real proud American history right there, Eddie Carter. Now, this guy's not even in a war yet, right? He's, he's gotten himself all the way over there. He can speak German. He can speak Chinese. He can speak 
English and he can speak Hindu. And he's over there in Spain with a rifle, with a with, as a volunteer, not and getting paid anything. How old is he at this time, approximately? Do you know? I don't know. He's like 18, 19. So he's fresh. Yeah, but he's already got a lot of experience right. fighting in the valleys. Sean, what do you, what, in terms of thinking about what Woody Guthrie represents as part of like an audience, what do you think about that at a time? That, that Woody Guthrie was singing about fighting fascists and back then in, in, in that twangy way. What, do I think about him singing in that way? Yeah, like, what do you... Th- I mean, to me, it blew my mind that there were these songs that were against fascists circulating around in the music industry back then. That's the first I've ever heard of it. Right. Like, the music was so much more culturally relevant and impactful. Right. That was... It's th- more connected to, like, a folk music. It does sound like it felt like country folky. Right. Right. But that's kind of interesting to to me. I guess what I'm saying is, is like, where's our correlate for that today? There is none. There really isn't a record, like some sort of record taking musical output. Right. Right. Like where does Cardi B represent or she can she pull back and talk about, you know, the great. Uh, you know, recession. Can she talk about, you know, things that have politically happened? Right. Or even like a, yeah, some sort of like, I don't know, conflict. Yeah, no, but, she doesn't talk about that, but she will talk about some wet ass, you know. Sure. Sure. That's, but it was the conflict kinda, with that. There's I mean, no conflict. There is no conflict. But. I got no conflict with that. No, I'm saying, even the weekend, <laughs> I like the weekend's beats and everything, but where is... Where is the correlate to Woody Guthrie's singing about the Abraham Lincoln Brigade about volunteers in another country from America fighting fascism? The the well the only the surprisingly enough in um, some underground hip hop some conscious hip hop you will get people really intelligent MCs covering historical and speaking about. Um, those those issues or the history of things. So I agree that would really with that. Be the only correlation that I can see. Mm. I think that that does exist, and I think that um, to our detriment, they're not the gatekeepers. And when they still act like there's no gatekeepers now because of the internet, but they're still gatekeepers. Those gatekeepers right. are keeping those voices down. Sure, mm. that's not it. That will never be popular music that's given to the masses all that shit is the same thing why you know talking about dumbing down or keeping people uninformed and uneducated i mean think about the hiding the rules hiding the fucking right right think about like trump going i mean our president of the united states able to have a platform to say antifa is full of fucking villains and criminals but then, you know, 80 years ago, there's a guy with a guitar and a record, and he's talking about fighting fascism. Color, color, style, irregard- regardless. How doesn't matter. F- Irrelevant. How, how far have we fallen? You know? yeah. And drifted. Right. This goes back to when we're talking to Ali about right. how the, the history's not really being taught. So Eddie Carter's over there. Eventually, he gets captured by Franco's forces, and he escapes from military prison. <laughs> this dude's nuts. Unbelievable. Gets back to the United States and when America enters World War II. He's ready to rock. He's ready to rock. So he signs up. Where's my fucking drums? Mm-hmm. 
up. Yep. Edward Carter, reporting for duty, sir. And the what did the army do? They said, yes, black man, come into the army, but we have segregation in the army. Mm. Right. It's okay. no different than it is out here. Yeah. Right, 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 exactly. Don't think you're joining the army. You're gonna be. And young. you don't get no fucking. Uh, you don't get no medals around here, you guys. Yeah. Listen. So he goes. All right, you join the army. Now listen. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna create a black army, and the black army, you're gonna be allowed to carry stuff, cook stuff, take stuff off of ships, and that's it. You can do the service work. How's that? How does that sound? Is that good? This you good. get a uniform. You like that? You, you like, like that? that? Right. And the white guys, right, they're all going to carry the guns. Because we don't want any black people carrying guns because we know what we did and we're afraid that when we're sleeping you might fucking turn around and shoot us. Get right. the guns right. and shoot exactly. the white people. We don't think you're going to be loyal because we weren't loyal to you. you. <laughs> so for, a lot, for the most of the World War, uh, and a lot of African Americans did join the army, and, and whatever else, but they were relegated to service roles. And and that pissed uh, Eddie Carter off, but yeah. but that was the reality of the day. So he was in it, and he was a cook, and he rose to the level of a sergeant, to as a sergeant of a black outfit in the Army. Mm. Now, at this point, I need to pivot. In World War II, I got to fucking pivot. Mm-hmm. All right? Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, <coughs> turn to the side right now. Because I'm going to switch and give you some background to get, explain what... Because we haven't even got to the amazing part of Carter yet. Everything okay. we just talked about was just kind of like leading up. Yeah. Okay. So in World War II, what was in... I don't know who I should throw this to. Maybe I'll throw this to Old Blue Eyes. Old Blue Eyes, what was the major first entry? of the Americans into World War II Eastern Theater of Operations. Uh, it was not the big band swing dance phase. What was it? What was their... What was uh, the big entry? What was the big to-do? The hoopla, as it were, my good man, of American entry into Eastern Theater of Operations. And it looks like D um, Day? I, <laughs> is that P Day? P Dog Day. Uh, yeah, day. Uh, right? D Day. Yeah. And what's D Day, Schwartz? It's when uh, we stormed the beaches of Normandy <laughs> and um, went fucking straight up in the in the belly of the beast. I mean, right into the the Nazis. And Big Lux, why did they call it D Day? I don't know. Because they couldn't think of anything else. So they called it Day-Day, and they shortened it to D-Day. That's the true story of why it's called D-Day. Fucking, they couldn't think of anything else at the time, and I was like, fuck it, we'll just call it D for Day, D-Day. And that's it. Nothing special. And what happened is that the American and the British stormed the beaches. The first group of, and everyone saw Saving Private Ryan, right? right? Oh, okay, so everybody got cut down, blah, 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 blah. But it was such a massive amount of numbers that eventually overwhelmed the Nazis who had fucking built all these pillboxes and shit up into the fucking cliffs and all this other shit, right? But eventually they got overrun. Not only did they get overrun, right? And remember, Sun Tzu said, when you're climbing up the mountain with your allies, hold hands. 
So the British and the Americans were holding hands. French weren't doing jack shit except smoking cigarettes and fucking wearing berets. Mm -hmm. They were coming up the fucking from that coast going towards Germany. Which, you know, when you look at a map, you're like, okay. And Hitler looked at a map and he's like, okay, they're coming from this angle. And that's the only place that they can come from. So blah, 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 blah. So for six months, we kicked fucking German fucking ass all over the place. And all this master race talk and fat Americans and, and mongrel Americans with mixed racial blood. They allowed Jews and blacks in their armies. They don't know how to fight. They're weak and soft. All that shit got put to rest. And Hitler was tripping. Hell was like, look, man, I talked the big one, and we're getting our asses handed to us. Mm. And in fact, even his own generals around him were starting to be whatever, and they had actually tried to kill him in his raven's den. Oh, no, no, his wolf's den. They tried to kill him with a bomb that actually, because the windows were open, if the windows hadn't been open when this, when this bomb went off from one of his, everybody yeah, out. Yeah, it would have killed him. Instead, the windows were open, so the compression went out, and he just wa and Hitler walks out like in a daze with that fucked up mustache and black face, and he's like, "What? <laughs> what happened?" And at that point, everybody who was in on the plot was like, "Are you all right? <laughs> oh man, what happened?" How long did it take before he had them all killed? Uh, like like a couple weeks. I I think that was you know the movie Valkyrie, right? With Tom right, Cruise. Yeah. That that was that uh, attempt. So now you're Hitler, you're sitting there on the couch, right? You got these crazy bitches rubbing your shoulders. You got a massive headache and you're sitting thinking to yourself, the walls are closing in. The Americans and the British are coming at me. I got to do something. I got to do something. And so what does he do? He's like, I'm going to do what's worked in the past. I'm going to do the Ardennes Offensive. A Nazi punch right into the Allies. Right into their line. And I'm gonna punch them so hard they're gonna be knocked back all the way to the fucking Atlantic. That's what I'm gonna do. And he called up, right? His most trusted war dogs. And one of those was like a was like this super secret dude who had a whole plan where he dressed up as an American and his troops as Americans and infiltrated the American lines to get sabotage and fucking information right and this myth freaked americans out they thought that there was they they believed that there was nazis running around dressed like americans talking like americans and believe it or not a good chunk of the nazi soldiers had studied in america there was no problem before this war so a lot of them knew about these different towns that a lot of our servicemen came from so Piece really shit yes uh think about it so I mean, Pennsylvania is uh, half of it's German. They call it Pennsylvania Dutch, but it means German. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I must break you. Yeah. So, 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 so he gets ready, and he also gets all of his tanks, the Panzer divisions. Now, you got to understand these Nazi tanks. They're pretty fucking Are badass at that point in time, right? They've got the dope tank. Wait, but what was that? The other, the Tiger tanks. So. One of the things that the Nazis had on their side, because in World War One, the Nazis, not the Nazis, the Germans at that time, right? They had restrictions put on their industry that they couldn't build any more fucking war weapons. And in World War One, they got the Germans. Whenever 
the Germans get heavily armed, they start getting nuts, right? right? They just lose control. And they're like, ah, y'all just, just <laughs> clocking, chugging. They start, they start getting high on their own fumes. Oh, they go crazy. So, so World War One, they're like, look, you can make stuff, but you can't make guns. And one of the guns that the Germans were making, which eventually became... Wait a minute. Who tells a country you can make stuff, but you can't make guns? Who Basically the that? U.S., right? Well, when World War I, when Germany loses, when, you're, when they chop your dick off and you've got all the country standing around you... And it's Europe, right? It's England, it's France, it's fucking Belgium, right? Belgium is like right next to fucking Germany. It's like on the top of it. Or maybe on the side of it. I'm going to pull up the map here in but a second. But go on. So in that treaty, they tell you, you can't do it. And they got people watching. Same thing we were telling Saddam, like no more fucking, no more fucking chemical weapons. Yeah, when you go to war and you and there is a not complete annihilation, there's an actual like laydown of arms, and they sign a treaty to end the, the hostilities. They actually, you you set the terms, you know. Right, and you also set some embargoes like, well, we're not going to give... Well, we're not delivering lead to Germany after right, World War I because those fuckers went crazy. They'll do super shit with it. But they had this gun that was an anti-aircraft gun called the 88 millimeter, And it's like a huge-ass motherfucking gun. And we're talking like... Yeah, it's twice... It's to double a 44. No, 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 no. 88? Magnum, 88 Magnum, 88 Magnum. That's a caliber. 88 millimeter is that. He said that's a caliber. Well, yeah, it's different. Now, I know it is. Who are you telling, Short? It's 88 instead of a 44. We fucking... But this thing is, is so big. This gun is so big. It's what they use against aircraft. And the Germans, after World War I, were able to use their Swiss connection to keep working on it and refining it. Mm. Right? It's a fucking loophole. So they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we're not making the gun. And then so they're like, by Switzerland. no, we're just making cuckoo clocks in Switzerland. Right. We're just ordering cuckoo clocks. So they make this giant 88 millimeter gun. This gun is probably the most impressive gun in the war, in World War II for any country, including the fucking Russians. And this gun was able to punch huge ass motherfucking holes into Sherman tanks. No problem, pal. Done deal. And it had like a... a a delayed fuse so that when they shot it up at the, that the flying fortresses that were coming in and melting down Germany, it would explode shrapnel in this huge, like, 100-foot arc that these planes would get hit and the people piloting them would get hit. So they weren't trying to hit one individual plane out, although they would try. They were also fucking firing these giant frag grenades into clusters of planes and knocking them all out. And, dude... A lot of fucking pilots died in World War II bombing the shit out of Germany with these flat guns. They called them flat guns uh, at them. Now, these flat guns, the thing that you got to really understand about it is that they were highly mobile. And whatever German fucking engineer figured it out, instead of trying to build this massive base, they had these fold-out legs. And when you see these guns, it's being pulled by a, 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 a car. And they pull this giant gun behind it, and you could put all kinds of brush on it, and fucking, and a guy, and the guy would sit in the little fucking cradle, right? And, and oh, I've seen these guns, and when you fire them, the whole thing jumps. Yes, yeah, I know exactly. And they, and I think the each shell was thirty-seven pounds, which was they had figured Jeez. out. This is how crazy these Germans are. They're like, what is the most 
that a man can carry by himself. And they could fire 20 of, the, 20 of these 37 shells in a minute. They had a whole system. They even had a special little fucking tool to lift That them. went, well, well, yeah, 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 right, yeah. Right, right, right. How many per minute? 20. Jesus Christ. And these were the most feared guns in the fucking war. And so eventually they not only would shoot at the planes, but they, they, they could lower it so it could shoot at tanks and it would punch holes into Sherman tanks just to obliterate them. Then the Germans were like, yeah, you know, I've, you know, you know what? <laughs> I think maybe it would be a good idea to uh, put this gun on a, <laughs> on a, on a tank. Mm. And they made a Tiger tank. And the millimeter armor of the Tiger tank was so thick that Sherman tanks couldn't punch through it. And these tanks would sit up and, like, just face whatever the American or the British. Right. The and British had some real fucked up tanks. Their tanks looked like, I don't they, their tanks looked like some kind of, like, three-year-old with fucked up Legos made it. Oh. So, all of this gets set up, right? And, and Hitler's like, I'm going to punch through. And now the Ardennes is a piece, as a mountain range that only has one road through it. And nobody ever expects anybody to be able to go through this mountain pass. And so the Americans, after six months of kicking ass, their supply lines got stretched. Okay? Like, how are you getting fuel and all this shit to these tanks? And also their men had been depleted. So now they needed to rest. So what did they do? They rested up in this area in the Ardennes, in the forested mountains of Ar the Ardennes. And nobody expected any kind of attack. And in fact, Hitler was setting up this whole situation where during the day it would look like tanks were going to Russia. At night, they would circle around and come back, and they were building up these forces in the Ardennes mountains. And so they were getting ready for this massive fucking Nazi fist right into the fucking allies. And allied intelligence had fallen down. They didn't know that this was happening. And there was men on the ground with binoculars. That scouts. Were, and they were like, hey, uh, I'd seen 500 tanks come up. And the fucking military brass was like, you must be seeing things because we don't have any reports like that. So these slim amount of fucking dudes, right, they were the ones that were going to stop the Nazi fist punch into the Allies. And they barely hung on. Had it broken through, the, the whole war would have gone differently. But the reason why it's called the Battle of the Bulge is because that Nazi fist made a bulge into the line of the Americans and the British. Once the Americans and the British were able to contain that Nazi fist, then, and Hitler was almost like not going to give up. I mean, his, his generals were screaming in his face like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? As soon as it started to cave in, then Patton, General Patton, was tasked with driving right into the German country and annihilating them. Right. Patton was? Patton and Montgomery. And Patton had a tank battalion. And, and Patton dude, been, must have been licking his chops. Dude. Like this is what he'd always oh. waited for. Eisenhower, right, when the first that Nazi fist punch came through and they finally became aware of the severity of the situation, Eisenhower had all his generals and he's like massaging his bald ass head and he's like, man, I don't know. And he's like, what I, Patton, how soon can you get your tanks up into the area? And Patton was like, two days. And Eisenhower... And everybody else thought Patton was just being, was bragging and acting stupid. And he's like, stop, you know, enough with the manly shit, Patton. Right. <laughs> how, how can you really do it? Patton said, two days. And Patton did get his fucking people up there in two days. 
a member of Patton's fucking tank brigades, and one of them had their patches ripped off. He borrowed a tank brigade or stole a tank brigade from another general, had the patches ripped off, and they were known as the Mysterious Battalion. Nobody knew who they were, but they had, they had you know, different weird fucks in it and shit. Like, and this is like and where you start... bastards. This is where you start getting all these myths about the fucking... And they were promoting it. Like, oh, these, these are guys that were in prison. It's not true. There was no, like, criminals in fucking World War II fighting shit. It was meant shit. to scare the Germans. Right. To get them back for that fucking, we got Nazis running around in American clothes freaking people out. So we were like, yeah, well, we got all our prisoners. Right. <laughs> That's, we gave them guns and told them, you kill Nazis, you win. So it's going, right? So this American fucking charge is going right to the heart of Nazi Germany in your country. You know, just a couple years before that, you were talking about how the Third Reich's going to last for a thousand years and given this mission. Now everyone in your country is seeing American flag tanks roll by their little fucking castle. One of the people that was in it was Eddie Carter. And how did he get there? When the Battle of the Bulge happened, we lost like 80,000 men. And Eisenhower was like, we need resupplies. And that's when they finally decided to let black people join the fighting part because of the war. Because they needed right. Get bodies, guns. right? They yeah. more bodies. They were like, well, it could take us like another year to get a bunch of white dudes over here, but we've got all of these brothers who Listen, are already here. It was born out of necessity. Right. But yeah, when that happened, they, the generals and the people that never wanted to integrate the army or let them have weapons were probably like, holy, holy shit. shit. Yeah. You know, so it's... so Eddie Carter, Sergeant Eddie Carter, they said, you ready to fight? He was like, Sergeant Carter reporting for duty. Mm-hmm. They go, it's cool, but you can't be sergeant anymore because we can't have you outranking any white people. <laughs> so fucking sick, dude. It is sick. Think about that. And you're Car- worthy, but we're not letting you have it. But He's like, All right, fuck it, I'm going to go kill the, people. You still got to listen to the dishwasher. So yeah. Sergeant Carter was such a dedicated warrior. He was fighting fascism. He was fighting for freedom, right? He was fighting for equality, which is the principles that America claims to stand by, that he was willing to demote himself so he could carry a rifle for Uncle Sam. And That's he did. a true American patriot. Right. So he's one of the riflemen on these tank brigades, and they're... They're, they're heading right to the heart of the Nazis, and he's out in the open. Now, he's really trained well. And one of these tank brigades is going, and they go towards this town called Spire. Spire is a small little town in the Rhineland. What's the Rhineland? That's the German uh, wine country. That's the German, like... San Luis Obispo, Obispo yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you know okay. what I mean? Napa Wine Valley. Country, yeah. yeah, Napa yeah, Valley. Napa Valley. German Napa Valley. Because the Rhine River goes right. by it. And so as a result, you got a ton of warehouses in that area because they're storing wine and grapes and all this bullshit. Submachine gun fire fires at, and one of these 88 millimeter gun things fires at one of the tanks, misses from one of the warehouses, and the Americans fucking take cover, right? Everyone's like, holy shit, we got shot at. There's fucking machine guns, man. And they sit there and they get cut. So now everyone's like, what do we do? How, we, got it. we can't go any further on this road, but we got a timetable. And that we don't know what's in those warehouses. And Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Carter volunteers 
to lead like five dudes to storm the warehouses and find out what the fuck is going on there. And these warehouses are on the other side. So they're in the trees, right? The Americans got up into the trees to try to figure out what's going on. There's the road. Then there's nothing but uh, about one football field of open space. And then the warehouses that's got the Germans in it, mm-hmm. right? And they got burp guns, which are the, those little German M40s. Yeah. They got it. Mortar fire going off, hitting the lines. And they got somewhere around there an 88 millimeter. So Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Carter's like, all right, give me a Tommy gun and a bunch of grenades. Mm. I got this. I was born for it. And they go, you bet. Take some men with you. We're right behind you. <laughs> so Eddie and his dudes run right into the field. All of a sudden, shots start firing out. Three of his men are killed right off the bat. And they realize the tanks didn't follow them into the field. They're up at an observation <laughs> yeah, post. We'll be right there. <laughs> and they're like, well, well, we could just send them out and figure out where they're shooting from. <laughs> Eddie Carter tells his other two guys, go away. I got this. Eddie gets shot. In the arm five times. Oh shit! And it goes down. There's a submachine gun somewhere behind one of the warehouse walls or whatever it is. He takes his fucking grenade. He throws it in there. Takes it the entire machine gun nest out with one grenade. He gets back up and he's got his Tommy gun and he starts charging again. Again, he gets shot. He gets shot so hard he gets knocked into the air. He falls down on the ground. He's been shot like six times now. He's bleeding. He's shot. He's thirsty. He raises his canteen up to give himself a drink. Someone shoots it out of his hand. <laughs> fucking pisses him off. He's fucking pissed. And he sits there and he's like, fuck it. And he gets up with his Tommy gun and he runs. And like eight Germans come out shooting and he kills all of them except two. Mm. Right? Shot six times, fucked up hand, kills six Nazis, two surrender. They're like, whoa. Surrender to him? Surrender to him. That's hilarious. He throws another grenade at the mortar crew, knocks them out, kills the mortar crew. And now he's got these two Nazis, and he's like, fuck, now how do I? And he recognizes that one of the Nazis is an officer. Now Carter, bleeding, says to himself, you know what? I speak German. If I can get these motherfuckers back to the American lines, I can find out where the rest of the German guns are up ahead and and we can get there even faster. So while he's losing blood, he fucking grabs these two Nazis, uses them as human shields to go back across that open field injured. And as he's going back, two other guys come out with like pistols and they try to shoot at him. He fucking peels their caps. He's got these two guys is a fucking badass, bro. Finally, right? The 88 mortar or the 88 gun, the 88 millimeter gun dudes are like, we got to fuck this dude up, man. So they fired a fucking 37 pound shell at him. <laughs> it didn't hit him. But the fucking. Ex- it just made him mad. <laughs> <laughs> the explosion with the shrapnel shot up his legs. So he has to lean on his hostages. But. Because it was such a big explosion, there was a huge dust cloud. And Eddie Carter used that dust cloud and the human <laughs> shields. And he leaned on them and dragged their fucking punk asses back to the American lines. Now he's got the German and the German officer back in the American lines. And now his like, CEOs are like, hey, man, we got to get you to the hospital. You lost. <laughs> you been, you're fucked up. And he was like, nah, 
Not right now. <laughs> we got to interrogate these motherfuckers. Who here speaks German? None of you? I do. Mm. Okay, hold on. And he interrogates them in German, and he gets the information, and he is quintessentially the linchpin to the American success in the fucking hit Nazi Germany and knocking out Hitler and all that other shit. Now, wow. after all that, they go, now will you go to the hospital? And he's like, sure, take me to the hospital. Goes to the hospital. Within two weeks, he's better, and he breaks out of the hospital and rejoins his fucking army and continues to fight the rest of the war. And then goes back to L.A. Now, he goes back to L.A. stoked because he's like, hey, I'm a fucking hero, right? I fought in World War II. We beat the fascists. When he gets back to L.A., he's nearly heartbroken yeah. because he's still not allowed to walk through the front door of a regular private business because he's black. It's mm. disgusting. It's really, really disgusting. When you hear a story like this, that's what true American heroism, patriotism, that's what it's all about. And he couldn't get no recognition. He couldn't even have basic fucking human rights in the country that he did was willing to defended. give his life for defended, defended yeah. and and helped them be victorious it, it's and you know what this is a great story and i think that that's one of the reasons about black history month that should these stories should come out because so many i, we're gonna always, I didn't know about we're this gonna, juman's gonna bring out stories every black history month right and i think it i think it's great i think it's really really great man i, I th- wow. this is this guy, Eddie Carter, wow. man. Eddie Carter. Wow. Who wouldn't? I didn't know this story until now. So this guy was a true American hero. Came back. Racism was not fixed back in America. He re-enlisted in the army. They made him a trainer. And in fact, Eddie Carter, they asked him to build the first National Guard here in California in L.A. And he built it and he trained those dudes. He's responsible for that. He doesn't get any recognition. They gave him... The Distinguished Service Cross at the time, it's the second highest medal you could get, but they would not give him a medal of honor because he was black. That was why they wouldn't do it, because he was black. Right, even though he was uh, more deserving than probably most on that list. Because of the color of his skin. And he was a career soldier, okay? So he had planned on staying in the Army forever. When he got back, he got a hero's welcome from the people around but he was being surveilled by the FBI. What? Hey. Now a he's person, a criminal? Listen, a person like that with those skills, with that knowledge, I could totally see why people in the FBI would consider him dangerous. And It's disgusting, but... They even put him, they took him out of the National Guard. They didn't want him training any more black people on how to use soldier equipment. So they put him up in Washington where he was part of the military police and he was doing drug busts. He, in every place that he went, by the way, all of the white people that were leaders above him loved him and respected his soldiery. He would spend an hour and a half just cleaning his equipment every day. Dude was fucking mm. disciplined and tight. And he had a family. He had sons, right? And wow. this thing about him being suspicious grew into them worried about the fact that he had fought in China and that maybe Communism. he might have a communist sympathies. Oh, and so when they, they wow. 
they kicked him out of being able to be in the military. What? And when he tried to re-enlist, he was denied. And when he tried to re-enlist and was denied, he went through everybody, white, black, whatever, to help him. And they all, everybody who knew him knew he was a solid dude. And they all tried to help him. And the government and the army would not give him a fair hearing and explain their reasons for not allowing him to re-enlist. He eventually was broken and bitter. He wrote letters to uh, the presidents, Eisenhower and all those other people, and said, you know, I fought for all this stuff only to come back and have it all taken away. You know what? Fascism isn't dead. It's alive and well here in this country. Mm. And eventually he came back to L.A. and he worked the rest of his days at a tire shop and died 48 from lung cancer. Jesus Christ. And... In 1996, finally, right, he's dead. They contact his family, and they say, we want to award him the Medal of Honor. After he's gone. Yep, posthumously. And it was kind of around the time that Bill Clinton had gotten into some trouble, and I think he was trying to, you know... Yeah. Yeah, I'm real sorry. Make himself look Unbelievable. Look I can't man. believe what happened. Uh, wow, listen. that's that's fucking sad. But think of everything he did. He died at 48 about the life he Gnarly lived, world. man, at 48. We, yeah. I mean, wow. Unbelievable. You know what, man? Eddie Carter. Th- that's out. That's somebody who, you know. That's an American well, hero. That's that an American hero. hero. Thank you for your service. It's a West Sider. Yeah. That's yeah, a West Sider. And LA, you know, and LA. Great. Awesome. Wow. Thank you, Chumon, Thank you, for sharing this. Yeah. You're welcome. Like we do about this time. Hasta la vista. I wanna, I wanna, before you take it out, I gotta hit these uh, sponsors real quick. I wanna give a shout out to Raul, the graphic artist, RU10 on Instagram. Hit him up. I wanna give a shout out to Supermax Hardware, right? Yes. Hardluckshow.com. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's right. I want to also give a big shout out to Purple Beard Oils. Um, my understanding is they work well in guns as gun oil as well. Purple. Purple Beard Oil. If you want to stop smelling Trigger like oil. Yeah. Want to stop smelling like shit, hit them up. Um, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Enzo's Pizzeria. Which may not be with us. We have to do a show on that. Yeah, Pico we, Youth and Family Center. Shout out to Alex and Oscar. Right. I want to give a big shout out to Esteban Oriel. Uh, the Soul Assassins, DJ Muggs, Lepke. Robert Standish, oh, A- A5150MX. Daniel Marsola, Instagram Jesus. Listen to It's All Bad. Mr. D. Oh, that, Big that Mike. Big Mike. Photography. He's not feeling well today. Hi, my name is Schmitty, and I'm from the Hard Luck uh, Show. Please come on the podcast and try to try to find us.